Welcome to Indie Game Business, where you'll learn to navigate the industry with ease. This show is produced by the Powell Group, the leading business consulting firm in the gaming industry. Visit us online at IndieGame.Business to learn about our online digital events. We have some amazing sessions with people in the gaming industry, and you can participate for free and purchase inexpensive passes to our industry-leading business-to-business system. Now, here we go, Indie Game Business. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday, and welcome back to Indie Game Business. We have Tim from Player Two today and Jaku from Crowd Control, and we're going to be talking about how to utilize content creators and that whole world to extend the life of your game, because as we all know, that long tail is so important right now to maximize your revenue and make sure you have enough money coming in to do your next game. So with that, Let's start with you, Tim. So tell us how you got into the industry initially and then walk us through you know, your career so far. And then we'll do the very same thing for Chaco. <laughs> well, hello, everyone. Uh, I'm Tim with uh, Player Two. I'm one of the marketing managers with uh, Player Two, working with nonprofits uh, as well as business dev and IP and licensing. Uh, as far as going back into how I got into the industry, it's funny. Back in 2012, uh, I used to do a little bit of a blog uh, talking about games for me three and talking about my excitement in games. And a friend of mine had asked me if I'd ever heard of a website called Twitch uh, where people were live streaming, playing video games. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Let me check that out. And from there, it went from being a viewer to being a moderator for a couple of years to even becoming a broadcaster and a partner myself where I've been broadcasting for uh, over eight years now. Um, and that has taken me in a lot of different ways. I've been an independent consultant working with nonprofits uh, to help get them into the gaming industry so that way they can uh, be able to participate with it and tap that revenue that they didn't know actually existed. And it's uh, opened up the opportunity for me to be working with Player Two now, where I work with some of these companies that are wanting to get into gaming and nonprofits that are wanting to expand uh, within gaming or get started in gaming. Nice. What about you, Jaku? Yeah, uh, my my introduction into the gaming space was definitely different. Um, my focus for an early part of my career was in information security. Um, I did a lot of pen testing and and you know vulnerability research and and things like that um, for seventeen years or so. Um, and I just kind of stumbled onto uh, getting into the world of gaming. Basically, uh, in twenty fifteen, a game called Super Mario Maker came out and. Uh, for those that are familiar, it's a way for people to make their own Mario levels. And I got really interested in the game because there was a, a level being posted around saying that this is the hardest level in the world. And a lot of my friends that know me, they're like, oh, you're good at video games. You should beat this level. Um, and so I became the first person to beat, uh, I believe it was called uh, Pit of Panga, P-Break, which was uh, in all these Kotaku articles and things like that. Um, and so by beating that level, I started looking at the Twitch landscape because I wasn't streaming at the time, but apparently a lot of people were trying to beat that level. And, uh, you know, they contacted me afterwards and I started looking into the space and I saw that there was like a need for some software and me being kind of, you know, a curious mind and have a, a little bit of programming background. I, I developed tools for, for content creators for this game to help uh, bring interactivity into that space. And it sucked me in. Um, you know, I started streaming myself because uh, how else are you going to really get to know the tools better than if you're not if you're using them yourselves? Um, and that evolved into me forming Warp World as a company and bringing on other influencers and content creators and building more software for streamers and then getting into just more interactivity. Um, so I actually no longer technically I'm in security at this point. Uh, in 2020, I went full in on Warp World and and creating software for for content creators and and developers for games. All right, so that is like an excellent place to start because I think that's like some of the evolution a lot of us have had with Twitch just from the whole, oh, wait a second, I can play games and watch people or I can either watch people 
play games as like the the old dude in the conversation here i'm not gonna lie that whole thing completely took me by surprise i'm like wait wait, wait you can what now yeah. um so how has the interactivity aspect because we've seen this on twitch with you know some like amazon games and there's other titles out there as well how has the interactivity changed that space and what are some of the newer ways that you know we're seeing that interactivity happen in in, in twitch and all streams yeah, I mean, for, for interactivity, you know, I think that's the big appeal of Twitch over like things like YouTube, and obviously they have their live streaming as well. But um, for me, I was really interested in, in being able to talk with the streamer and, and what and like, that's the start of it, right? That was the start of interactivity, being able to actually communicate with the person playing the game as if you were there. Um, we've seen things then grow, like Twitch Plays Pokemon was probably like the big inspiration for a lot of people, where it's like, wait, you can do more than just chat, you can type in a command and it will do something to the game and like that opened up a lot of possibilities that like just blew up and like obviously the twitch space loved twitch plays pokemon like it's still a pretty big stream uh but you know it was huge for the time it was the the first thing of anything it's the first actual like massive multiplayer game like that where everyone was interacting as one character as opposed to having their own character in like world of warcraft or final fantasy 11. um you know, since then, yeah, we've seen games really take that to a whole new level with building out uh, interactivities where the the, the 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 chat can choose what happens. You know, um, plenty of games have them. Uh, my my entire company's kind of focused on that these days. But like, there's there's so more so many more ways to interact these days with like UIs on top of the video player. Um, it's not just chat anymore. And so we've really seen the evolution of this. Um, and I, I think there's still more to come because companies are embracing it because it it helps bring engagement into these games and it makes them more popular because people are like i want to go and watch this game now because i can only do it while they're streaming um so it's, it's a whole new way to play so like from the agency side so one explain a little bit about how player two fits into all of this so, so crowd control has has tech that they're doing what what are you doing what is your crew doing in, in the ecosystem <laughs> so um, with this, uh, we're working with Crowd Control to kind of get in touch with different game developers and trying to get them to embrace this idea of interactivity as well as looking at games that they had previously made and wanting to kind of breathe fresh life into that game. Uh, so it's funny, we were talking about Twitch Plays Pokemon. Uh, I got a master's degree in video game design at Full Sail University, and my master's thesis was on Twitch Plays Pokemon. And I was uh, I was actually able to get a hold of the developer of Twitch Plays Pokemon, who still wishes to remain anonymous. And I got his data for the first year that he ran that game. And it was amazing just pouring through that data and being able to just write an entire thesis about how amazing this was and where the future of gaming can go with it. So on that aspect of it, with player two we're just trying to get in touch with all of these different uh companies whether it be AAA, indie and trying to get them involved with this because there's that little aspect as well that not only someone streaming and playing the game but getting your audience involved in it and it adds a different difficulty to it so like we know uh dark souls is already a difficult game but let's just add some you know some complications with your audience into it to make it just that much harder and you know if people really love enjoying being tortured that way well you know what now you have that opportunity yeah no dark souls is a really fun one to watch because it's already a difficult game like you mentioned and i think that's one of the things that uh you know we really want developers to understand is like this is how some people want to play these games um they're not going to play the games how you typically would think it like you would be like oh why would someone want to have a game be even harder well you know they, they've already played it they beat it once or twice and they're like i want a new challenge but i love this game how can i do that and so tools like crowd control allow for that sort of stuff any sort of interactivity gives you infinite replayability especially when you can increase the difficulty even more all right, I got to give a quick shout out. I see my man, Hip Hop Gamer, is like in chat here. And I know he's been bouncing around CES, hanging out with all the cool people. So um, <laughs> thanks for tuning in, man. It's good to see you. All right, so the this just seems, 
you're talking about adding layers of difficulty on Dark Souls. This just seems like something that can go completely off the rails when you start like letting your stream, you know, letting your viewers start dictating the things in the game. How on earth do you prevent that or or you know control to a certain extent what they're doing so it just doesn't turn into a complete nightmare? Yeah, so you know, tools like crowd control, we we really think about that sort of stuff, and we have a lot of features that are built into our our software that allows the the streamer to set kind of those rules. They're able to set uh, cooldowns on effects and 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 the price of effects. You know, they can be done through channel points, bits, and things like that. But you're able to you're in control of that sort of stuff. So you're able to set the pricing. You're able to set the cadence. You can be like, hey, you can only do this once. Um, or you can only do it once an hour, or you all have to work together um, and pool towards this to happen. So there's a lot of features that we build into that so that it doesn't just completely break the game. Uh, a streamer, um, I saw, like I love watching our streamers use our software, and one Dark Souls story comes to mind. He, We have an effect called uh, Reset Game, like Roll Credits, where it takes you to the end of the credits, and then you start over at the game again. Um, and that that activated like 30 times on this guy's stream, <laughs> with with the price increasing every time um so he did 24 hours of dark souls he finally beat it um oh but he made God. thousands while doing it because that's what he set and his community was there for it and like they stuck around and i i remember tuning in like three or four times throughout the day and be like you're still at this and he he loved it and he's he's done it again like he didn't stop playing the game after that he's like all right next week we do it again I, I, no, just <laughs> right. like I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't be able to do that. Like I, I'm amazed at the things that I see with interactivity uh, in games and and the stuff that people actually like are good with. I would be like, I'm good. Thanks a lot. Have have a good rest of your day. I'm leaving. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that would definitely set off the explicit language filter on anything that I was working on if if, yeah. if I did that. Tim, so what sorts of, of, of triggers and what sorts of things are you seeing that add that one most that we'll get into the technical side of you know how a developer actually in, integrates this stuff, but you know, what levers are being pulled that you see the most success from, you know, when companies are doing, you know, these types of integrations? Well, with these types of integrations, what this allows is it brings in some of the older games or even games that have been played so many different times that some people just, you know, they're tired of playing it. Like uh, an example, and I'm going to use my own experience with crowd control with it, is Minecraft. Everyone has done everything possibly under the sun with Minecraft as far as building, making technical stuff, making landscapes. Um, it, it's something that a lot of people have explored, but with crowd control, it adds an extra effect depending on what you set it for. Uh, me personally, I was doing a charity event for St. Jude Play Live, and I added in crowd control for doing Minecraft. And I can't say how many times I died. I can't say how many times people spawned in stuff like a Ravager, they spawned in Silverfish, they spawned on an ender dragon you know and i'm just trying to build a, like just a mud house and people <laughs> would spawn this stuff in and i and i have to run for my life because i know i'm about to die because i barely even have a wooden sword so, so, so how like, long does it take you to kill a silverfish with a wooden pickaxe i mean that's uh <laughs> uh yes yes <laughs> yes so i mean it, are... it, one of the th great things with this is it takes a just a common game that a lot of people enjoy and like and like another good one would be skyrim everyone loves skyrim everyone loves playing uh, multiple playthroughs of skyrim well let's add in an effect where suddenly your inventory is now full of wheels of cheese well i mean that's yeah. not bad and that that, that yeah. that's just that, that that's what happens now so You're now you have to deal with, with having your inventory full of wheels of cheese yeah can I, we I, do it an activation where it automatically no longer lets you use bows or go into stealth so you know everyone who swears they're gonna do a skyrim run where they're not a stealth archer now actually has to do that i mean that's yeah stuff like that is very possible with the way we build things so yeah um i don't think we have anything like that right now but absolutely i think that's a great idea because that's one of the things that we love about our software and other software like it is that it it's not just you as a streamer saying hey guys i'm not going to go stealth at all 
and them accidentally going stealth once or you're like oh just this once they can't like you can you can force them to not do something and you know at the end of the day as a viewer that's what you want to see you don't want someone to say i'm going to do this and then they mess up and like you know we're all human we you can mess up you might not actually intentionally do it but at least there could be a software barrier um you know tim was mentioning Minecraft, everyone's done everything under the sun in that game. Uh, the replayability factor on this sort of stuff is huge, especially there's an entire world of gaming in speedrunning. You know, people play those games day in, day out. We got people like Mitch Flower Power, who plays nothing but Mario Brothers 3. He's been doing it for like 15 years. And like, he loves the game. He absolutely has to love that game to be able to put that much time into it. But I guarantee you, he gets bored every so often. And so having crowd interactions like crowd control allow him to play that same game, draw that same audience, probably even more now that this feature is enabled for it, and and experience the game in a different way, refreshing way for himself, even though it's the same game. So from the from the indie dev side, you know, if we're working on a project and we get it launched. It's like, how difficult is it to, you know, integrate this stuff? Are there special triggers that you need to do in the game? What's the integration process? And I swear, Jack, if you tell me it takes a regular programmer two days, I'm going to kick you out of the stream because that is like the <laughs> default answer for every piece of tech ever. <laughs> it, it is the default answer. I will tell you, I will tell you my story on, on it. We have a, we have a, a, a plugin for Unity. Um, and I'm not a Unity developer. I am a back-end developer. I love JavaScript. I know some C-sharp. I can get into trouble with that. And I was given our plugin, and I'm like, show me how to add one effect. And so our developer you know, showed me how to add one effect, and within two hours, I had three, four effects added that did various things. Now, this isn't a demo project. This is not in a real game with you know live code and all that stuff. So for me to do it, it was really quick. Um, for, for, for testing. But we have seen developers take a weekend or two uh, to, to build it in. Obviously, I would say two weeks to a month is probably the average amount of time that we would say. You gotta do testing. Uh, you know, I we're, we're no strangers to that sort of thing. Um, everyone that's in tech will say, yeah, it, it takes hours to do. It takes hours to implement, but then it takes days to debug. So I'm gonna give you the full answer. It's, you know, a, a, a two to three weeks is probably a good timeline with a month being, um, really good so once once they've got this integration in there you know are there tools are there specific ways to get the word out aside from that developers only already established channels because i mean that's obviously the big part you know we've got so many games out there right now and yep. it's like steam's running a next fest like every six weeks it seems like how you know, can these different tools help with the discoverability issue that a lot of developers have? Yeah, I mean, you see a lot of discoverability from from interactions. You know, Call to the Lamb had a, a specific extension uh, and they had their own Twitch interactions, which that was like what everyone wrote about. Like that was the, the a big thing about the game. It was a great game, but the interactions and the extension added more to that. And so like people just flocked to that, our news articles and all that got posted. With, with Crowd Control specifically, you know, we have a large amount of content creators that are always looking for the next game that we support crowd control with. Um, literally, every time we add a new game to our list, a user will probably pop in within like 10 minutes, like, hey, I just saw you added this game. Uh, without us tweeting anything, just it's now added to our list of games that you see on our website. And so we constantly have users that are constantly looking for the new content. Um, and so our platform helps helps right there because these are streamers that are looking for interactivity and they're always looking for the fresh new stuff. And so if a new game gets added, that's that's a huge user base just right there. Um, and we obviously love promoting um, content creators and and games. So we, we always try to find some really cool content creators to help promote the games when we add new features and new facts to them. All right, so, but this is all just Twitch right now, right? Right now, but uh, very soon it will be anything. That, and that's my next question. It's, it's like Twitch is fantastic and a lot of people are on Twitch, yeah. but there's also a lot of people that are on you know, YouTube and, and even Facebook gaming to, to a degree. Where <laughs> does this part of the industry need to go to start incorporating some of these other streaming platforms so it's not you know, just a Twitch-centric thing? Yeah, that's, that's been a big focus for us in the last year, um, personally. We, we've seen the writing on the wall. Uh, you know, we, we work with content creators all the time and they're switching platforms. You know, you, Twitch was great at one point. Uh, who knows where it's going to be? Twitch still, I think, has the best for development 
uh, resources in terms of extensions and and tools for developers to do this sort of stuff. And so we had to take up a lot of the work to get this working. Uh, but we, we're, we're fully integrating into YouTube and Facebook gaming and any other real streaming platform. Uh, we're making it easy for anyone on those platforms to just start using this interaction. Uh, because we recognize that as a developer, you don't want to have to be like, oh, we built Twitch support, but oh no, all the streamers are now moving to YouTube. So we alienated half of our user base. We don't want that. And so we started building those tools for that. And we're hoping to have our, our 2.0 platform out uh, you know, near the end of this quarter. In, in two weeks. It's like <laughs> in, in two weeks. It only takes two weeks. Yeah. And then we're going to do three months of testing. Yes. <laughs> then it's going to break. So, yeah. Tim, from the from the bigger like agency side, where are you seeing the trends go in terms of these different platforms? Is it still mainly Twitch? You know, where are YouTube and Facebook going in terms of catching up, passing? I can't even tell you. I know the the biggest one right now myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, the majority of content creators are still on Twitch. Uh, that's where you're going to find a majority of them making content. Now, as time has gone on, new platforms have been added on with doing gaming. Like you said, there's Facebook Gaming, YouTube, even TikTok is starting to launch its uh, live streaming stuff. So content creators are starting to not only uh, branch out into different platforms, maybe they even move and become permanent on another platform. So a lot of them are starting to expand out. Yes, Twitch is still the you know kind of the big the the big boss in the pool, but there are a lot of other platforms that are opening up, and it's starting to make it more diversified. And even you have content creators that will make content on different platforms all at the same time to kind of broaden that reach and you know get exposed to new people myself as a content creator uh i do twitch but i've started to dabble in the TikTok a little bit uh, i've kind of looked at instagram a little bit with some of their reels so it's kind of one of those to where if the content creator wants to expand and wants to grow they need to look at the other platforms but they still have that one that they call their home that they will always be on is there a advantage for the developers in terms of just discoverability and games and and all this other stuff to be focused on one or the other or is it one of those that you just need to be talking to content creators wherever they are i think it's better to expand and be as available to as many platforms as possible that's the best way to get success but also talking with the content creators seeing what their needs are on that particular platform itself will help to expand what it is that they're doing so you don't want them just completely focused on doing stuff for twitch and making extensions just for twitch and then you notice that a group of people that are on YouTube are really enjoying your game and they want something. You have to go, oh, look, I didn't see that. So now I have to plan for it. Now I have to build something and that's going to take more time that gets pulled away from the people on that platform. So for the game developers, it's better to make it as available to as many platforms as possible, but also listen to the people that play your game. Uh, they're going to be able to tell you what it is that they're looking for, what it is they would like to get added, and then the platform that they're on, what needs they would like for that particular platform. I always, I always grin when somebody's like, listen to the gamers, because there's so many times, especially like on Twitter and social media, where we don't want to listen to the gamers no. because they are... <laughs> Yeah, I told somebody the other day. It's, it's, like, it's yeah, it, it's definitely it's it could be a double edged sword, but I think when you look at it, for the most part, a lot of gamers are going to have good things to say and they're going to have good advice and constructive criticism for games but then yes you do have the ones that are like you know i could build a game in three weeks and get this release i don't know why it's taking that why they had to push it off for another year I can do it, this. It, it takes two days to fix this yes exactly, exactly. Yeah. i, I want to find know. the social networks that tim's on because i think he's on different networks than the yeah, rest of us right he, seems, he seems a lot happier I, i'm i'm a little optimistic okay i'm a little optimistic so Jagger, what different what are, what are the best ways that you've seen these things integrated and i know it's going to vary from genre to genre but when it comes to the different integrations that, that developers can do which ones stand out the most as being the most effective definitely the the ones with you know extensions uh some sort of ui 
one of the biggest things that I see when when there's some sort of Twitch integrations is you have like, or and we're going to use Twitch integrations because really no one's doing anything on YouTube or anything else right now. Um, you, you, you get somewhere it's chat-based. And, you know, chat, again, Twitch plays Pokemon, great for its time. But nowadays, like, chat is for chatting. Um, very often will streamers get, you know, they, they don't get to have part of that conversation. Because, again, the initial draw to Twitch was always being able to have a conversation with a streamer. If you can't do that because people are typing commands and things are yeah. going through the chat, I'm going to go to YouTube and I'm just going to watch a, 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 you know, a pre-recorded video because it's going to be better. Um, so so definitely having these integrations with extensions is, is a huge deal. Um, it allows for, you know, users to come in and they're not they're not necessarily lost at all because one of the other things with commands is like okay so you throw a command list at someone now they got 50 commands they have to figure out how to type and understand uh uis allow them to click the right thing get the description on stuff it's a lot easier for everyone involved um you're also able to get a lot more information about you know what's what's going on there because you know you're not you're not just straight in chat uh so anything with extensions has been a, a huge play i think has been a huge game changer on that uh like i said cult of lambs one of the big ones there um and then crowd control obviously we have our extension so I mean, what are you know like like specific examples so like what what did the extension in cult of the lamb do uh so you could you, your followers it allowed your um adding followers to your cult essentially um and 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 tweak your character so you could go in and tweak your character to look like how you wanted you customize your avatar um, stuff that you could potentially do in chat, but really you, it'd be so difficult to have a large audience do. And so like, that was really cool to be able to see and do. So are there genres that it's easier to do this with than others? I think so. Um, I, th that's the, one of the big things that I always talk to developers about is like, you know, this sort of interactions might not fit all games. Um, cult, the lamb was a perfect one because, you know, you got followers in the cult, you got followers on Twitch. Great. Um, works out very well. Um, <laughs> makes you think and so uh <laughs> not you know, you know not saying that twitch is a cult or anything no, not at all no, 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 not, not that yeah. we're openly endorsing building a cult yeah. or yeah know, <laughs> um, profitable so you know, you, um <laughs> a sports game could be really cool for this you know having your audience be able to pick your next play in a in football could be a really good interaction um that could allow allow for some really fun moves and 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 plays to be done that you wouldn't see in any other capacity because you know it'd be like all right chat what should i do no let them choose everything um and then i think the the other thing would be you know with crowd control it's, it's really more functionalities of like hey we can do this to the game uh it's a list it's more of a list it's less of a uh of like specific things it's, it's a list of things and so there's just so many options there but uh, polling is the next big thing that I see a lot of games do. And the biggest, the biggest issue I see when they do polls um, is that they don't enforce the results. What I mean by that is that it might be like, hey, you got the streamer has to go left or right right now. Chat said go left. And the streamer is like, well, I'm just going to go right. <laughs> I, I guarantee you, you see, a, a, you see a sudden drop off in interactions on the next choice because now the audience knows what's the point. You're not doing what we yeah. chose, so mm -hmm. why do it? And so I see that mistake get a lot because a lot of, again, developers are like, well, I want a choice in this, but they're not in the shoes of of an audience member and a streamer that they're like, well, yeah, I want to be able to have a choice. Well, the whole point of the poll is to not have a choice. And, and I think this is, it's a good point and, and shows us that I find, it, I find it good to listen to our players and viewers to get an idea of where problems exist. <laughs> but oof, uh, player suggestions. <laughs> so th this is... <laughs> This can also be seen as a good way to almost focus test in a certain extent, you know, especially if you've got a game in early access and you're putting it out there, you know, by looking and seeing what people are choosing to do and what they're most interested in from the streaming side, it gives the developers a very good idea of, okay, maybe we need to focus more on that particular feature or level or whatever it may be. Yeah, it reminds me back in the Twitch Plays Pokemon, um, you know, when that first came out, it was it was anarchy and, you know, it's anarchy mode. Someone typed up, you go up and eventually you got to the point in the game where like we have to implement democracy mode. And you saw this active development happening on stream, essentially, of them updating the game to make it work. And like you, you can get that with any sort of interaction with these games these days. I see, you know, developers are in chats all the time these days, and it's really great to see. And you can get the good feedback, and you can listen to some of them, and you can you can ignore 
others. But at the end of the day, like this active development is definitely a, a big part of just live streaming in general. And I think, uh, yeah, absolutely. You can, you can get a lot of more, get a lot more information about what works and what doesn't with stuff like this. Yeah, uh, Alicat says, I want Sim and Colony Builder games to have viewer interact. All my Sim and Colony, I've been playing RimWorld a lot, and now I'm just like having nightmares about what my viewers would do if I'm playing <laughs> RimWorld. I mean, my little peons are already chaotic enough. I don't I don't need more. Uh, one, thing, right. one thing I would agree with that is like, uh, I'm a huge Diablo fan. Like, I love playing the Diablo game. So adding something like a crowd control to like a Diablo 2, which is already every time you play it redoes the map. But mm -hmm. now you have them come in and say, okay, I'm going to throw in all of these types of monsters that you're not ready for. Or they decide that, you know, I'm playing Necromancer. So I have my entire dead army with me and chat goes, you know what? You don't need that. And then all of a sudden <laughs> my entire army dies. And I'm like, uh, okay. Indie Game Business has one of the longest running digital event series in the gaming industry with hundreds of publishers, investors, developers, and tech companies to meet with. All the sessions are always free to watch forever, and you can get a free pass to receive all the slide decks from all those speakers. The tickets for meetings start just at $50. Go to IndieGame.Business and use the code IGBPODCAST to get 20% off your ticket. I guess this is how we're rolling with it. <laughs> so, and, and that gets back to the whole, and I guess this is a, a very much content creator thing. You know, along the same lines of if if chat says go left and they're you know streamer go right, then they're like, all right, I'm done with this. But if you have these hooks and these interactions in there, and then <laughs> the streamer just like rage quits, I mean, that that effectively going to be an issue as well. So I, I'm assuming from the creator standpoint, you can look at the interface for a game and say, okay, here are the ones I want to do. It's not necessarily all of a sudden everybody has the power and you're on your own. Yeah, yeah, we, you, you have the choice. You don't have to just give them the, the kitchen sink. You can you can pick and choose what you want in a lot of these interactions. Um, and yeah, again, you know, I think rage quitting though is content. Um, <laughs> we get a lot of, we got a, little, a lot of streamers that are like, oh, well, it's content. And I, I will agree to a degree on that. Um, rage quitting can be content but it shouldn't always be your content, I think. And like, sometimes people will definitely be like, oh, well, the, the chaos the chaos of this was content. And it's like, not always. So I I, I really do encourage our streamers to go in there and tune it to their stream so that it's not a chaotic mess and that it makes sense for them and their and their, their viewers and not just to rely on that old chaos is content. <laughs> Sorry, so here's a solution. Uh, it shows us that we used a poll this week to pick a guest weapon and skills that created quite a bit of entertainment. Integrating something like this for all of our streamers on arena battles would be so much fun, but yeah, dev time. And two so, days. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, two days. That's, that's what you're talking about. Everybody, every engineer out there knows two days. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just take a weekend. Does, it's fine. <laughs> does, does this work with online as well as as you know offline single player games because i mean i see like a lot of fortnite creators for example and they're like okay i'm gonna do the legendary challenge or whatever where i can only <laughs> use a weapon if it's a legendary how does it change when you're dealing with multi massive multiplayer not massive but you know multiplayer in general yeah. versus you're running a single player game yeah so for for those types of games we're very careful when it's a mod of a game uh, we will not do any sort of online games with mods that have anti-cheat and things like that, that is going to get somebody banned if, if, if you're doing something like that. Um, cause you know, we don't want streamers getting banned and as much as we'd love to be able to do it, we need to work with the developers on that. Um, 
So so if there's an online game like Fortnite, like if, if we were able to work with Epic to to build that sort of thing, like, hey, I can only pick up legendaries. Great. That would be great. But we we were very careful with how we implement those sorts of things. Uh, Fall Guys is probably the best example I can give you of a game we support that has online and it's very much a competitive game. We only do negative effects and it only happens to the computer and not the game. So. All right. Wait, wait, time out. Explain that. So one what types of interactions do you have in fall guys because it's very much a straightforward game yeah so uh, how is the negative how does the negative only part work yeah so so we can't we obviously can't make the player go faster or give them super jumps because that would be cheating and in the competitive game get them banned so nothing like that so what we do is we think outside the box on this so uh mario kart you know we're all familiar with the ink splash uh, effect. So we we have effects like that that will cover your screen in in yogurt and paint and things like that. It will display um, fake elimination or fake completed um, screens on Fall Guys over top of your game, and we can press buttons. So we can use it. We can interact as a controller because we're able to. Fall Guys accepts if you have ten controllers plugged into Fall Guys in your computer, all ten controllers work. If anyone presses jump on one of them, you're jump. So we we add a second controller to your game, and we jump or hold left or make you dive and stuff like that that is beyond messed up that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't even know fall guys could do that i mean hell i have enough hard enough time on my own trying to get through that thing much less if i've got somebody pushing buttons for me yeah. on there we got spin the camera that's a fun one so yeah it's, it's all effects that will not benefit you in any way and so um you know no one's been banned using it uh as far as i as far as i know everyone's had a great time with it no uh people have people have done like crown challenges and stuff with it and it's been really fun to see we actually did a uh when we promoted the the pack we did a promotion where it was the, the first person to get a crown with crowd control got like a hundred gift subs hmm. sorry you caught me like right in the middle of, of all that and obviously i mean i'm gonna say obviously because i haven't done any coding or engineering in 20 years when you're doing interactions like that which are only like things that are popping up on the screen or an overlay that does that require the developer to do anything or is that just all through the software that's all through our software there's uh so they didn't require the developer to do anything one thing with fall guys is one of the big things that we do with crowd control is we want to make sure that the effects are happening we need some sort of validation and so um because we're not actually implementing in the game luckily fall guys has a very ver verbose logging system that we're able to read from so we only do effects when the match has started so your screen won't get covered in ink when you're on the lobby um it, or when you've completed the match so we're actually able to read that you're in a lobby or not and that that was crucial for us because we don't want people sending effects in and them triggering when you're in your settings menu uh because you're trying to configure something or you're not ready yet and so that's something that we look at with all of our games is ensure that the effects happen when you need them to so are you seeing and Tim, I've got another question for you, but I'm sorry, my mm -hmm. brain has gone down this rabbit hole at this point. <laughs> or are you are you seeing special mods being created to allow for the incorporation of more of these interactions if the developer themselves is not doing it? I mean, because I'm personally I'm a huge fan of mods. It's like I don't Skyrim, I don't know how people play it normally anymore. I don't think I could go back and play it normally anymore. Um, and the same with, you know, RimWorld and, and the Project Zomboid that I've been playing. I love getting good mods in there. For the developers that aren't either willing or able to implement some of this stuff, are you seeing a mod community come up and help facilitate all of that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think and a really good example of it is uh, Cyberpunk 2077. Uh, as the game started to get a little bit better and more patches were coming out, people started to create mods within the game to be able to do things that the developers had not made yet or that fans were interested in. So there's always a mod community that exists with a particular game, uh, and that just comes from interest with it. Um, like you said with Skyrim, the first time I played Skyrim, I had to play Vanilla because I, I needed to at least experience the game. I After I've experienced the game, okay, fine, yes, then I, I will throw in a bunch of mods to it. Uh, I'm the same way with Fallout. I have to play the game vanilla first, and then after that, then I can throw in mods. So 
uh, with the mod community, they always exist because someone has a need for something in a game that the developer has not made yet, or that they are maybe taking their time a little bit to work on. So with stuff like this, even though a game may not be designed for this, something will come up that will provide that opportunity and then you start to hear from the developer if they're okay with it or if they start going you know don't mess with my game this is my masterpiece that i worked in two days how dare you mess with my game (laughs) two two days (laughs) because we're trying to make you more money you know that that's what we're 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 trying to do here um so i mean hypothetically one of the ways that that you could grow all of this stuff on the crowd control side is by having your own team of mod makers do mods for games that you're not for currently integrated in to, to boost this sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and, and we do, um, we, we have quite a few mods like that and we have an open SDK for modders as well. Um, so it's not just game developers that we support, but we, we support modders and ourselves. Wait, wait, wait. It's not just game developers that you support. Does that mean you can like mod Excel and Word or you know something like that too? Or we could crowd interactions on that? We, we we did crowd control on a Tesla once. Oh shit. Yeah, that was oh. a, that <laughs> was a... <laughs> well that's interesting. <laughs> it was a, a road trip to GameStone Quick in Minnesota. Um and I was I was I remember that there was an API for the car. Uh, through the app and i'm like we were we were like halfway through the trip and we stopped at lunch and i'm like hold on we got two days no uh we 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 threw it together honestly it was it was quick like maybe about 10 effects um since i knew the system so well we were able to build tesla support where the 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 chat was able to change the heat and the radio and honk the horn and things like that they couldn't steer that was that was no go. You thought um, they couldn't steer, but I'm somebody <laughs> out there. Somebody, I mean, yeah. You're just like opening up the necronomicon, necronomicon at that point. Yeah, we um we 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 did a so we did a road trip to to SGDQ from Chicago, so Minnesota, uh, Chicago to Minnesota. Um, honking the horn was the the most fun. It was a dollar to honk the horn, and we were at a drive through, and they honked the horn sixty times. And I still remember apologizing to the to the drive through staff. I'm like, hey, I'm really sorry um the chat's honking the horn the car's connected to the internet and her response like oh it's okay i understand (laughs) i don't think you understand i don't think you understand but okay but but she may have and that's the beauty of how our industry has grown she's like oh okay yeah you're streaming oh yeah twitch i got it you're you're one of these idiots (laughs) that lets the you know crowd have control over your life at this point you know so Oh my God. All right. So rewinding a little bit, Tim, TikTok, because we have seen TikTok grow in terms of, you know, usability for indie games and how it has absolutely been integral. What are you seeing from that standpoint in terms of increasing that longevity of the tail? And then, you know, furthermore, what about all these government freakout lockdowns on it? So one of the nice things, and I actually attended a conference with uh, TikTok to talk about the live streaming and the gaming part of it. And it's been great because you've had you've heard from both developers and content creators talking about what they've used TikTok for both, you know, the the regular creation and their live streaming version uh, to be able to promote games and do games. You get some people that. Uh, They make content on TikTok for a particular game that they're letting people know that you could do something in a game that maybe people didn't even know, or they find an exploit that will allow a speedrunner to be able to do something that maybe even the dev didn't know. So it's a great way to also uh, test out how the game's doing, plus use it as a marketing campaign. Um, I believe... Gearbox was using TikTok to promote uh, Tiny Tina's Wonderlands, and it did very well with being able to promote it. But you also had content creators getting on there and showing all of the different things that they could do within the game that helps to encourage people to get on, but also have people want to try out something different. Now, we're talking about stuff with TikTok with other countries and all of that stuff. I'm like, I can't speak to any of that. But, like, I... Yeah. So my question is, is it still worthwhile for developers to jump on TikTok or is this trend where 
you know, at least in the U.S., it's state governments right now. It's not, I don't think the federal government has jumped in it yet, but there's several state governments that have like said, okay, you cannot have this on your phone if you work for the government because yeah. potential influence from, from China. Is that a big enough concern to the bigger social media ecosystem that developers need to be looking out for? Or is it one of those things that's like, yeah, don't worry about it right now? Well, I mean, I would definitely say that if you're, uh, if you're concerned about it, don't put TikTok on your company phone. I mean, that, that's it. <laughs> that's the easy that's, answer. Yes. I mean, yes. it's an easy answer. Just don't put it on your company phone. Don't put it on your, on your work phone and boom, that, that saves a lot of it. But I think it's still worthwhile for developers to use TikTok because it's still a very big platform that is continuing to grow and continuing to listen to its audience. So it's a great platform for them to get on. Plus they can kind of tailor their content a little bit longer. They don't have to worry about making uh, five, 10, 15 minute YouTube channel or, or video, I should say, or having to do something on Twitch for a live stream to just talk about like a, a 30 second feature. So TikTok is still a great platform to, for them to be able to use and to be able to promote stuff on. Just be smart with what you're doing. Don't, don't put on stuff that that you don't want to be seen don't put it on your work phone if you're worried about that don't put it on your work phone and then go to starbucks and be using it in a starbucks public wi-fi so it's just a matter of being smart about it yeah you just ask way too much that's not i mean i i, I know a common yeah. sense should be common but it's like it's a superpower that you know, you know you have to be born with and if you're not born with it well i'm sorry so, so, so I, I do believe that the government, uh, I think Biden did sign the bill uh, in December uh, for a limited ban on federal um, government, oh. uh, 4 million employees. The exceptions are like law enforcement, uh, national security and research purposes. Um, so I think that did go into effect. Um, and obviously, states have also picked up on it. All right. So in terms of, of like broader marketing and, you know, user acquisition, whatever, promoting and stuff. So you've got integrations in your game. What are the most effective ways of getting it out there to the public that you've seen? Is it longer streams? Is it shorter, like cut strips from for TikTok and YouTube shorts and Instagram reels and all this other stuff? Or what are the most effective ways of showing your community this all this cool stuff? you know, without completely reinventing the wheel. Yeah, we, we've seen large success in in them doing just a stream with it and then cutting the, the content into like the really fun moments with the effects happening. Um, you know, a, a compilation reel uh, or a sizzle reel, really, of, of what you've done uh, as, a, as a content creator. Um, you know, when, when you're playing a game with any sort of interactions, you're going to have moments that are going to be much more fun than others. And so... Uh, there might be, you know, a, a really great timed kill player. Um, you know, we see a lot of times uh, in, in games where just at the right time, just the invert controls activated and then the player falls down something because it just like it happened and you're holding up, but now you went down and you fell down. So like stuff like that's really fun because you see it. Um, but the, the, the bigger thing is like, so, you know, reverse controls is a big effect, but it's not visual. That's the biggest thing I would say is any effect that's visual is the better effect to showcase in these sizzle reels. Um, having like kill players very obvious because your player's standing and then all of a sudden they're crouching and they're falling and they're dead. And the screen says you died. Very easy to understand. Setting the player on fire, really easy to, to see. Um, so things like that where it really show where you, where you really can see what's happening without really knowing anything, especially if you don't even know the game. That's the best part. Like you might not know Dark Souls at all as a as if you were browsing somebody's social media, but if you see like all of a sudden like five enemies pop up, you're like, okay, that's weird. And then all of a sudden they they just kill them. Like you're like, yeah, that's that's funny. Uh, you just get that. You, you get that. So this is all PC only right now. I mean, are there? Am I wrong there, or is it something that you can see moving to mobile games to you know console titles as well? Yeah, we uh, we want to support console games. Uh, definitely possible with our integrations. Uh, right now, it is very much PC. Um, we we actually do support actual Super Nintendo, like the actual hardware um, that, through Black Magic and USB. Um, <laughs> but but that 
that's not official support, obviously. So one, we'd love to have actual games bring this in. Um, we've made a big push towards integrations with games in the last year or so um, and continue to make that push. So there, there are inside the game is the menu for crowd control to activate it and ins- and have everything. So there's nothing required on the on the desktop software itself other than the game so that would very easily translate to your switch and xbox and 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 playstation um and mobile games yeah we would love to see a mobile game obviously there are streamers that do mobile game streams um finding the right game that makes sense for for this interaction um it would would be great you know i i don't play too many mobile games myself these days but i'm sure there's games out there that would make perfect use of this sort of technology so, part of me wants okay. to see something like this for Pokemon Go, but then another part of me is like, absolutely do not touch that. <laughs> All right. So, question for both of you, Tim, I want you to go first. Given where this technology and, and these opportunities have come in the last 12 months, where do you want to see them go in the next you know year to two years? I would love to see not only more games becoming available that have already been released, but starting to see more games that have this type of interaction already built into them, which would be great. And then one of the things too, that's always nice about this is that um, there should be an on and off switch on it. If you want to do it, cool, turn it on. If you don't want to do it, turn it off. And But having that option available is, I think, what's going to help a lot of different games going forward and being able to add them into different genres of games that maybe someone didn't even think about this uh, and seeing it becoming incorporated into it and having that um, that option available. Yeah, I mean, I, I I will agree with all of that, um, especially the the on off switch. We we understand that this is not for everyone and it's not for every single game out there, um, but but there's a huge amount of uh, space or there's a big market for it and there's a large crowd that is interested in this. So it's definitely something that we want to make sure that the right people are using. And so having an on and off switch makes sense. Um, I don't want to get too specific because there are some things that I am working that we are working on that's going to make it this even more accessible to more things. And I don't want to give it too much away. Uh, that could be for another podcast, maybe. Um, but we have some some grand visions of where this is going to be going in the next year um, outside of the, the support that we've mentioned, where it's going to be more than just Twitch and it's going to be YouTube and others. Um, that's going to open up a whole new, um, I guess, like amount of users, essentially, that that no one has thought of yet. I think. And so we, we have, we have the vision, we have the software, we have the technology. We just need the games. All right. Well, from one of our developers uh, from Bjorn <laughs> on, on YouTube, what is the perfect setup technically and creatively for a game to support crowd control? Um, I mean, are we talking like, so Unity is one of the best engines for crowd control right now because it's one of our most tested plugins. So I would say perfect setup would be Unity, uh, but Unreal, Game Maker, uh, anything C-sharp based, uh, very accessible and we're always adding more more engines um but anything that like i i think games that already have a sandbox mode are probably lends it well self very well to crowd control because sandbox modes already allow for a lot of crazy customization and stuff and so now you're just giving those same tools to the viewers uh why somebody else is playing the game and so i think a sandbox game is perfect for that it's probably a really good creativity uh driven game and so i would see that that would be one 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 perfect setup is a uh, anything sandbox mode um you know again uh we don't want to encroach in a game developer's vision with story and stuff you know if if, if they're cool with crowd control during a single player thing great but we also recognize like you might have a story that you're really trying to tell um and so if you have like modes outside of that that are also in the game then crowd control is perfect for that without encroaching on your story and 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 changing your narrative Excellent. There we go. All right. So we've got you know about five, ten more minutes here. So if you've got questions, anything about this from from promotion, from the content creation side, from the you know triggers and what kind of messed up stuff we can do with the game side, drop them in chat now, and we'll get them answered. Um, next one from Lantana Games on Twitch: Does crowd control need to be implemented directly into a game, or can it run alongside it? Yeah, uh, it does not need to be implemented directly inside the game. Uh, I gave the the 
I, I gave the example of uh, Fall Guys being an interaction that's not necessarily in Fall Guys, but still works alongside of it. A lot of our games that are um, that are mods of our games are are mods that you put into the game. But all of that does is create some sort of connection between crowd control and the game, and it's not actually doing much. It's just doing this communication layer, um, and that still runs with our desktop software. But then there's games like uh, you know we we released Cuphead where it's drop-in files, but all the interactions, all the setups inside the game now. So you go into the options and you see a crowd control option as if it was built into the game and you link your Twitch and you're you're good to go. So we have lots of different ways of doing it. Um, Developer.crowdcontrol.live, if I can say. Uh, it's got some information uh, that will <laughs> that help, help you. And so what are people doing in Cuphead? Oh, so Cuphead's a really fun one um, because one of the effects allows you to zoom out the camera and you can really see how the game was built because of that so as a game developer a lot of people know that you load assets in the in that world but you hide them and then when it's time for them to show up they're they're already loaded so you just move them and so you can see like enemies that are like staying off to the side still because you zoomed out the camera further than what they normally see um you can you, you get to kind of see how the bosses work in that regard. There's, you know, there's the tombstone boss. He's like above the level at the, the entire time. And then when you kill the, I don't remember the, the first boss part of that fight, but he's, once you kill him, he just instantly drops down because he's always been there. And you, you think like he's transformed, but it's a completely different asset. Um, we allow you to, we, we add a double jump before they added Chalice. Um, so i think they saw that and like oh let's add that to a character no. um, <laughs> but uh swap we we allow you, we, we we can force swap your character uh one really fun one is we have ultra weapon where it's it's firing every single weapon at the same time so it's like all weapons are engaged and it's really fun to see makes you really powerful wow that's yeah it's yeah. funny a lot of it is like one of the little superpowers the tricks that you're doing is literally like pulling back the curtain on yeah. on game dev and yeah yeah even my son is like he, he started he'll pull up something on youtube and it's you know different people that are taking like 2d games and turning them into 3d games and they explain how everything is laid out and i'm sitting there half the time going oh hell i didn't even know that but okay that's good um yeah. but yeah i mean it doesn't necessarily have to be something that is specifically affecting a, a level or whatever you can literally use it to just pull back the curtain a little bit yeah yeah, we, we actually, one of the effects, you know, it doesn't do anything negative or positive. It's It literally just adds a health bar to the bosses so you can see how much health they've taken. And, like, that was really fun to see because, like, you never know in that game, like, how how weak they are or whatnot. I'm like, yeah, let's add it because the game keeps track, so let's show it. All right, so th this is the fun part for, for both of you. And, Tim, you can start. This is your opportunity to plug whatever you want to plug. So... <laughs> So shoot it, and then you know we'll be getting out and letting y'all have your have your day back. But Tim, plug your pluggable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, um, I, it's been fun talking about all of this because, uh, like I said, I I did my master's degree thesis based on all of this, and it was fun to be able to back then in uh, 2016 to be able to talk about all of this and predict. Uh, where the future was going to go with it and being able to see it now and kind of go, wow, past me was actually thinking about this, which is so awesome. Um, but uh, for myself, uh, besides working with Player2, uh, I'm also a content creator. You can find me on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv slash Gamer Enchantment. I actually just recently moved, so I'm doing my first stream from my new location on uh, Monday, which is going to be kind of nice because I haven't streamed in like two and a half, almost three months. So it's actually going to, maybe I'll throw in some crowd control with a, a game on my first stream to kind of see how people want to mess with me in my new place. You, you have there a you whole go. lot of catching up to do. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I know I do. All right, Jaku, how can, how can people find you? What do, what do you want to plug? Yeah, um, Jaku on Twitch and Twitter uh, are my main, you know, social medias. Um, I have started streaming again. Finally, um, after a long hiatus, I, I started reverse engineering some applications on my stream. I don't do too much games these days, more just development sort of stuff and shenanigans. So if you're into that sort of thing, uh, you can definitely find me there. But, you know, for the company itself, Crowd Control on Twitter. And uh, crowd, like I said earlier, developer.crowdcontrol.live is going to be your best resource for finding anything developer related. It has our links to our socials and our Discord and our GitHub and all that stuff. 
And obviously, they are both available on the Discord as well. Just look for the bright yellow section entitled Guest of the Show because they have that illustrious title now. But yes, <laughs> you're so special. It's awesome. I'm special. Um, but yeah, all right. So my turn to plug. Check out our new free online classes on how to find a publisher and then how to evaluate your publisher and your publishing contract. Those are on Teachable. So just go to indiegamebusiness.teachable.com. Tickets went live this morning for our next Indie Game Business Conference. And that's going to be the 8th and the 9th. So you don't have to wait to GDC to start pitching your game. You can start pitching it like the month before or a couple of weeks before. Um, as always, passes to the lectures and sessions are free. Uh, and if you want to do the meeting system, it's it's a simple little 50 buck ticket or type in friend of IGB and it takes a load off of that ticket. Um, but yes, with that, that is our show for today. Next week, we are going to be talking with, let me pull this up, uh, Michael Brown from Vicarious PR, and I would love to tell you what he's talking about, but I don't know off the top of my head because Dan's not here and I can only have so many screens open at once. But <laughs> I guarantee you it's going to have to do something with marketing. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, thank you, everybody, Tim, Jakku. Thank you so much for joining us. And then, yeah, we'll see you all in a week. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Indie Game Business. You can learn more about the show and our online business networking events at indiegame.business.